This is Rock and Roll English. Real people, real English. Here's your host, Martin Johnston. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll English. Episode number 279, baby. Oh yeah. In today's episode, we speak to another amazing storyteller. Another, let's say, famous storyteller in this teaching English world. He goes by the name of David Heathfield. And that's his actual name. Normally, when people use that phrase, he goes by the name of, it's because it's a nickname, like he goes by the name of Mad Mike. Um, But David Heathfield is his actual name, so I don't know why I use that phrase. But anyway, in today's episode, we speak about stories because David is a storyteller and more specifically how they help learners of language, you. And this actually fits in quite nicely about my new online course, which I mentioned in the previous podcast I made, which you can go and listen to. My course will be called Fluency via Pronunciation and Storytelling. And I actually recorded this episode with David about a month ago before I had even decided what my online course was going to be. So I thought now is the perfect time to publish it because you can learn about the benefits of telling stories in English, which will be a big part of my online course, which will be starting very, very soon. I will give you some more details on it later this week, Wednesday or Thursday. But in the meantime, go to rockandrollenglish.com slash fluency where you can see more about the course. So here is the conversation with David where we speak about storytelling what you need to do to call yourself a storyteller, how we understand each other through stories, the benefits of telling stories when learning a language like English, the benefits of telling instead of reading, how to learn grammar through stories and tips for talking in public. And listen to my example, the one I give of when I had to do this in Italian. And last but not least, David actually tells us a wonderful, amazing, fantastic story. So make sure you especially listen to the bit towards the end of the podcast where he tells us this brilliant story using his wonderful storytelling techniques. But anyway, that's enough of me talking. Here is the episode. There are some very minor audio problems, so sorry about that, but you probably won't notice anyway. So again, here is the conversation. Happy listening. So hello, David, and welcome to Rock and Roll English. Oh, thanks, Martin. Good to be here. Good to have you. We love storytellers on this podcast because stories are a big part of rock and roll English and you yourself are a storyteller. I thought to myself, at what point can you call yourself a storyteller? Because one day I would like to call myself that, but I just haven't, I haven't got the courage yet to do it. You have to have a bit of a nerve to call yourself a storyteller, (laughs) but I, it was made easier when somebody who I regarded as a great storyteller and a personal mentor uh-huh. told me I was a storyteller and that I, I, I think you'll know the name Mario Rinvalucri oh right who, okay 
wrote masses and or and has written masses i should say and is a huge was a great friend and back in i don't know the early 2000s uh he asked me to tell a story at a workshop that he was running and at the end of the workshop he said david you're a storyteller I went, oh really coming from mario who had been a huge influence that was quite a thing to take in and i suppose that was when i started actually using that moniker right okay so i i'm just waiting for that moment then and then then i'll start um calling myself a storyteller um so just quickly for people that don't know you tell us like who you are and what you do well i am a storyteller i'm a teacher of english and i i train teachers uh about storytelling and i write about storytelling and creativity and drama in language learning uh, mm -hmm. those are the kind of things i suppose i'm known for and as a storyteller i'm not just working in teaching english i do a lot of storytelling in the uk as well in like community events right uh, sometimes environmental like in nature reserves connecting to nature okay um, nice. i do it local a, a perfect place for a story a nature reserve i imagine it's wonderful to take people on a on a story walk and really connect to the particular trees or the, the bird that you see flying across. Um, yeah, that's oh, a theme wow. that's kind of evolved for me. I just, even just hearing that, I kind of got like a warm, fuzzy feeling inside of me, just walking through nature and listening to stories. Um, that does actually sound uh, fantastic. And yeah, the book, for example, you wrote um, about storytelling in English learning. I devoured that book so when you devour especially a book you just well read it very very quickly let's say and that's exactly what I did and I absolutely loved it so for learners of English then which obviously is the rock and rollers the listeners what what are the benefits in your opinion of learning through stories well it's about uh engagement because mm. people love stories. I mean, you know, all the, we, we've heard all of the, the quotes from the great ones, including the scientists saying that uh, when the human brain was developing, it had to find a way of maintaining um, or bequeathing wisdom and passing on knowledge. And storytelling was the solution for that because it's so memorable. So mm -hmm. it's deeply who we are. Some people might even call us, you know, storytelling beings. So, um, it's as you know as we all know it's the best way to remember and pass on information because stories the pattern of a story is deeply embedded and uh, easy to recall so mm. when we're talking about language learning language that's learned in the context of story you know that's that vocabulary will always be associated with that particular moment in that story and that feeling that you had when you listened and when we're listening to a story, we tend to be open and unstressed, uh, especially if the story isn't is pitched right for the level of uh, of English we have. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And just even as soon as someone tells me a story, in fact, when even just someone says to me, let me tell you a story, even if it's not like I am a storyteller um, or someone says, I've got a story about that immediately. I'm just switched on. It, it it just immediately grabs my attention. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's little, there's little um, phrases we can use. I mean, once upon a time, of course, everybody knows. But mm -hmm. for example, if I'm telling a group of students a story or if I'm at a, even at a festival, I often will begin by saying story, story, and everyone answers, tell us a story. And it's like a contract between the storyteller and the listeners, mm -hmm. because there's a strong sense with storytelling that the listeners are co-creating the story with you and that we're all telling the story together. And a lot of the time I, I ask, I invite student, in, student involvement and participation. So mm -hmm. what's going to happen next? Or there might be a choral uh, chant that's, that's repeated at different moments because often stories are episodic. Or there might be, um, there might be a, a call and response, like story, story, tell us a story. Right, okay. Story, story, tell us a story. Fantastic. Um, but so I, I personally think you have a quite unique approach to telling stories. I, in our pre-podcast chat, you said that you don't think you do. But so t tell us the way you, you, you tell stories and the type of stories that you tell, because you involve lots of different senses and you do lots of great things so tell us your your style let's say well i think among professional storytellers there's not much that i do as when i'm telling a story that's mm -hmm. so different from um, many other storytellers using repetition working with the modulating the voice pitch the volume the the, uh, the tempo of the voice um, giving character voices and character expression so using a lot of mime Many other storytellers would do that as well. Um, so I don't think there's anything particularly unique. What, I one draw thing... a lot of traditions. Like I learn a lot from listening to storytellers from, let's say, sub-Saharan Africa, where there's a lot of call and response and lots of audience participation. Sure. Um, one thing, though, which I like, which you do, is you often use um, folklore tales. Um, so what's the benefit of using those? Because I must say, I've only recently, let's say, fallen in love with these. Because generally on the podcast, I tell real life stories about my life, kind of anecdotes. But I've recently fallen in love with these like folklore tales, which remember are the things where, you know, um, someone's talking to a dog and the dog talks to the king and there's the princess and all of these things. So again, what what's the, the benefit of these types of stories? Yeah, well, I'm a huge lover of, of folk tales and I, I learn folk tales from all different cultures around the world. That's kind of my passion. I think that stems partly from being an English language teacher and mm. meeting students from so many different heritages, legacies. Um, and what appeals to me, I think, is the ancient wisdom. I tell a lot of what I call wisdom tales. There's something to learn, something sometimes quite subtle. So it's like that thing where you hear a story once and you learn one thing, but when you hear it again, you hear it a different way according mm. to the context, what's going on in your own life and associations you make. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just love that celebrating of diversity. So there'll be something in a in a Nepali tale that is very familiar that I recognise. It would be similar in a in a European tale, but there'll be little features or motifs in that Nepali tale that will take me into that culture. And sometimes it will be self-explanatory, but often I'll need to actually ask 
that storyteller who's told me that story because I love to I love learning stories from people particularly mm. uh, to explain it to me and then when I retell that story if I if they're okay with me retelling that story and that's important um, that I when I retell it I I, I might need to um, interpret a little bit for the audience I'm telling it to so they sure. understand what that means sure um yeah speaking of the diversity thing a um, quote i stole from a book i read i can't actually remember the author now but it said um how um stories have the power to show us that we are much more similar than we are different across communities and cultures because like you said you hear something in a story from a totally different part of the world and kind of think oh like that happens to me because i think we kind of still deep down kind of think i don't know people that living people that are living in another country have totally different lives to us and everything's totally different but through stories often we find that's actually not the case Um, yeah i mean i'm running lots of courses particularly for teachers of English um, around around the world. And like the course at starting next Saturday, we've got teachers from Peru and Brazil and California, from Singapore and India and Nepal, from, uh, from Kenya, mm-hmm. from oh, different wow. parts of Europe, you know, Greece and Italy. And this language, there's this kind of grammar of stories that we all understand each other perfectly through the stories we're sharing. And there's such a rich learning. And that's, I mean, that it becomes, I mean, I love playing a facilitator role anyway, when I'm talking about storytelling and running workshops about storytelling, but that becomes also much bigger because there's so much intercultural learning that takes place. But like you said, it's a, we all understand each other mm. and we deep, deep learning and joy and yeah, it's, it's amazing yeah absolutely and yeah, that exactly that's why we love stories but now let's talk about actually telling stories and especially for learners of english now what are the benefits because again I, i've only really sort of found out especially telling these like folk tales and stuff like this um that there are really lots of benefits so in in your opinion what are they well there's benefits of every kind of storytelling i mean the the first book i wrote was called uh, is called spontaneous speaking drama activities for confidence and fluency and that book is very much about storytelling but personal storytelling telling about things that happen in our lives and giving mm-hmm. students a chance to to, to realize that they're storytellers because they're really simple things talking about an, an animal or a pet mm-hmm. that they may have had a connection to or have a connection to and finding to tell telling stories about that or telling stories about a time when they were congratulated on something and then turning that into a kind of drama activity and a storytelling activity mm-hmm. so realizing that we all have stories to tell but equally telling a folk tale so um one of the values of learning to tap for students, well, first of all, the listening. Um, storytelling tends to be very rich, longer than average, comprehensible input. So um, scientists would say students are getting exposure to lots of language. It's, it's more extended, 
mean, if you think about in a classroom, if you're going to study English in a classroom, typically the teacher would press a button on a computer or, and, you know, you're going to listen to a three minute semi, maybe semi-authentic conversation or, or talk. Yeah, that, it's that's kind of, it's disengaged from, from any kind of, it's, it's, it's one way. Whereas yeah. if the teacher is telling a story, it's deeply interpersonal. The students get a sense the teacher's giving them something. The students noticing the responses of the students and into, and, and adapting the story and pausing and re, re, rephrasing if necessary to make sure the students are with you as a, as a teacher. Sure. And I, I think all of you listening will know that when someone's told you a story in English, if they're telling it to you and it's to, you feel really kind of involved and included because that teacher is addressing you personally or not just a teacher I, it makes it really memorable mm. comprehensible um engaging and then the same thing goes when we ask students to to retell stories so when i'm teaching i tend to go through a, a process that early on most students i've worked with whether they're adults or, or younger they haven't necessarily told sto stories before in a formal way or an informal way and uh, in English or even sometimes in their own language. Mm -hmm. So I'll get them to, to learn a very short story. And often it'll be a familiar story, like an Aesop's fable, mm -hmm. the boy who cried wolf. Okay. Yes. People might know that one. Mm -hmm. And then after they've learned a couple of stories from me, and just retold them each time I they retell it to one partner, another partner outside the classroom, make a recording of themselves telling it, sharing it on a platform. After they've told that story several times, they start to tell it in their own individual ways. And there's an emphasis on there not being one right way. So after they've got that confidence, then they start, I start inviting them to either select, here's a group of stories, choose one and learn it, but also find a story that you want to tell. And it could be from your own heritage. It could be a story your grandmother told you when you were younger that you really love, a short one. Mm -hmm. Just work on that. Work on telling a story that they've told before, maybe in their mother, their first language, and now they're telling it in English. Sure. And um, an important thing as well here, and maybe you can just explain the difference and explain the benefits of this, the difference between reading a story and actually telling a story um so what what's the difference and what's the benefit of actually telling a story well i've done quite a lot of uh experiments in classrooms with this um asking students to compare the two where they read a story and then i tell it or i tell a story and then they read it but the answer is simple students understand it when it's told mm -hmm. Um, and it's because there's so much more information that's conveyed by the voice and the body and the expression than what there's, there's so much more interpretation that has to go on when they're reading from a, from, from written text. Uh, they're having to create the voices and the, and, and the tone in their own imaginations. So, um, generally speaking, and it's the same, it's the same when, when I'm working in primary schools in the UK with kids who are growing up speaking English. Many of them really struggle with reading. But once they start, when, if they're told a story before they read it, then they engage much more easily. Mm -hmm. Because it's, 
it's a big, it's a lot of skills involved in interpreting what's coming off a page. And when you're doing it in the second language, that's, that's a big challenge. Sure. The other big difference, of course, is community. Because when you're reading from a page, typically you're doing it alone. You're doing, mm -hmm. It's an individual activity. When you're being told a story by one person in a group, we're learning, we're hearing the story together. And there's a sense of, a, a very strong sense of us, we, um, and the story is floating between us, but there's this bonding that goes on. So it's a, it's a much more social experience. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think as well that there are actually many benefits of things like um, fluency and like vocabulary and grammar that they learn. My experience of this um, in Italian, let's say, was when I got married, I had to give a speech and I did it in English and Italian and the the Italian part. So first of all, I wrote it just to have an idea of what I was going to say and got someone to check it. Um, and then she changed one. She, I made a few grammatical mistakes, obviously, and she put one grammatical form in there, which I'd never been able to understand, which I learned that phrase. Well, like I, I, told the speech let's say i didn't read um in fact to do it i actually just drew a couple of pictures on a piece of paper so i had a piece of paper in front of me with like different pictures on which i had drawn myself which obviously as you can imagine were not nothing like picasso let's put it that way um but so i just had those pictures but that one grammatical form for example is now just embedded in me because when I learned it through let's say telling the story um it's it just stuck with me and I also felt I mean there were like a hundred people there just such a sense of achievement and so proud that I had done that um and it's similar for students you know You've encapsulated it perfectly, that huge sense of achievement when I can actually tell a story. And students, even in the early months you know, of, 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 of learning a language, can, can convey a story, whether they're doing it completely verbally, but they can be doing it physically as well, and they can be doing mm -hmm. it together as a chant. But if they can do that, or even a rhyme, you know, that's a big sense of achievement. Yeah, absolutely. What you're saying is, is is great, and I love the idea of um, symbols, pictures to to retell a story, and that's something I I love doing with with learners. That they would take a story, then encapsulate that story, maybe in five or six quick sketches that no one else mm -hmm. needs to look at. They don't need to show it to anybody. <laughs> exactly. But then that encourages them when they retell it to be making it their own. So they're not just reciting the story word for word the way they heard it, but they're retelling it. Sure. using mental imagery not just mental imagery they could be including many senses you know touch and sensation sure cold damp um smell taste absolutely sound um, particularly and again when when i did that when i did my speech let's say um, i really thought as well like i i just because i told it so many times i told it to myself in the shower in front of the mirror and like when i was driving because i thought I, I really want this to be good obviously so when a student maybe has a task like that and they just repeat that story to themselves so much and then when it does come out it that 
the fluency in which it does also surprised me um although obviously i, I speak italian like well let's say not perfectly but well um but i even though i was already a higher level when i did that i was still thought to myself like oh wow like i spoke so fluently there yeah. um and yeah i think that's another thing for students know that when even if they are already a high level once they've told it different times and they say it so fluently and also with different levels of intonation to try and engage the um the listeners because i often find some people in english sometimes for some reason switch to kind of a monotone but obviously in storytelling you need that um, yeah. monotone's no good in storytelling let's just say that impressive what you yeah what you just said is 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 absolutely fantastic because with that speech you said you used that one example of a new what was still for you a challenging grammatical structure mm. but that's become memorable so then you can when you want to use that structure you can go back to that phrase and then a then, then make the necessary alterations to use that structure again in context. And that's exactly what I do when I'm teaching a piece of grammar. I would, you know, we'd, we'd explore it, but the, the final stage is always find a, find a personal example, something that's happened to you or is happening to you, mm -hmm. what's going on in your life that fits that structure, and then build a story around it. Yeah. And then we all share those stories, whether they're written or spoken or both probably, and that's your that phrase that time you use that structure you'll go back to that and then you'll be able to build out from that to use it again appropriately i think that's a for me a fundamental it's, it's personalizing the language yeah absolutely and in stories obviously there's lots of narrative tenses to obviously tell the story so some complicated grammar so you might hear for example in a story like it had been raining all morning for mm. example, so that, that it had been raining all morning is obviously a really difficult grammar tense. So um, the past perfect continuous. So, yeah, like you said, you just you take that and make the necessary alternative. So you could say, I don't know, I had been waiting all morning. Um, and then finally, I don't know, my wife arrived or something like that. Um, cool. So. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree that there are so many benefits to it. So um, coming towards the end, we we obviously need to ask you um, for a story to share one with us. So I mean, what different what things have you I know you've got many different stories, um, but for podcast form, just audio, what, what do you think would be a good type of story to tell? I'm thinking a short one. OK because <laughs> i've got stories that last two minutes and i've got stories that could go on for hours right okay you know you can tell epics as well you know stories you start to tell norse mythology and it can go on for you know you can do it all night and all the next day as well <laughs> and it's all interlinked but i don't think that's quite appropriate yeah probably probably not the like all day and all night because it is wonderful talking to you david but i do have a few other things to do today <laughs> I'll tell you a story that um, usually I'm able to tell you where exactly this a story comes from, but this one's a bit of a mystery to me. Um, okay. I learned it myself from a storyteller in Canada called Norman Perrin, who says he learned it from another good friend of mine called Baba Fee, who's uh, an uh, African-American storyteller in Washington. And I've asked Baba Fee about it, and he's not really sure, but I think it comes from African di diaspora. 
Okay. It's a very short story, but I think it's it, it doesn't matter where it comes from because it's true for everybody. Okay. And there was a parent who had three offspring and said, whichever one of you can build the greatest house will inherit everything. You have a year and a day. And the eldest went and bought some stone, some marble, employed a mason, and began to construct a mansion, a stone mansion. This will be the greatest house. And the second of them went and found the timber merchants and purchased so much good beech wood and oak. And carpenters were employed and a huge wooden house was underway. But the youngest went off to a local house and introduced uh, themselves and talked about what they wanted to do and told a story. And the people in the house told a story back. And then more people in the community came into the house and they started sharing stories and music was played by the musicians. And soon there was dancing and laughter and more stories were shared and it spilled out of that house into the next house. So it was a kind of festival going on in that little community within the village. And then that third youngest offspring left that party going on and went to a different part of the village and started the same thing happening there. And when the whole village was full of stories and dancing and singing and music, they left that village and went to another village in the land. And across the land, they traveled for a year and a day. And everywhere they went, there was festival because of all the stories that were being shared and learned and exchanged. And at the end of the year, the three siblings came back to the parent. And the parent said, now I will find out who has built the greatest house? <laughs> the two older ones were laughing at the youngest one. This one's done nothing. The parent went into the stone house. This is huge, massive, strong. It's a fine house. And the parent went into the second house and said, oh, this smells of fresh wood. And it's beautiful. It's magnificent. You my youngest, you have traveled the land and every door of every house is open to you. The home that you have made is greater than any house. It has no bounds. You inherit everything. And the youngest said, well, I don't really need it. It's all for sharing. Wow. Beautiful story. Um, and yeah, I mean, it fits perfectly with uh, the podcast and obviously a, a great message in there. And one of the things which I really like, which something I'm learning to do now is the pauses that you took, because I think that's so difficult to do sometimes, especially talking in public, because we get anxious and you kind of just think, okay, talk, 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 talk. Oh, my, my problem, Martin, is, is putting, I put in too many pauses. I have to keep, <laughs> remember to talk, especially when you're on audio like this, because most of my storytelling is live uh -huh. or sometimes on, on video. 
But on audio, pauses, yeah, that's it. You must, there must be a kind of like, when's he going to start again? <laughs> but I think it really sort of pulls you in because the, the pauses were there. But as you were talking, I was just so focused that because I think the pauses are so powerful that they really... Yeah, they give space for imagination and anticipation, what's going to come next. Yeah. And yeah, room to breathe. Be, yeah, it, especially that, the, what's going to come next, because I'm thinking like, tell me, tell me, tell me, like inside. Like if you had stopped the story there, like I would have had a kind of empty feeling of like, oh, like, because I needed that um, resolution. But also for students, I mean, I myself as... A native speaker i'm trying to implement this more now when i speak of pausing and actually thinking about what i say instead of just like coming out with gibberish let's say which makes no sense but yeah also for learners because it also gives you that extra thinking time um to actually think about what you're going to say it gives your audience or your even just your listener a normal conversation time to absorb your message so really powerful story and thanks a lot for everything you shared with us and all the things that that we have learned but just before you go if anyone wants to find out more about you where can they go okay so there's um my website www.davidheathfield.co.uk i suppose if you want to hear me telling stories you should go straight to my youtube Mm -hmm. david heathfield i have a big channel and there's two projects that 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 might be interesting one is called um a breath of fresh air which i did during pandemic the early part of the pandemic Mm -hmm. where i told a story every day they're very short stories and i told them in nature um all around this part Mm. of all around the city of exeter beautiful part of devon where i live in england and i told lots of stories from around the world in natural settings they're lovely videos they're short, like two, three minutes. There's a hundred of those in that playlist, A Breath oh, of wow. Fresh Air. It was called A Breath of Fresh Air, Stories to Get Us Through. Mm, very nice. And then last year, I did a project called Around the World in 88 Tales, mm. where I met 44 storytellers in different countries around the world. I got funding to do this. And every person I met, I showed them an object from the local museum here in Exeter, and I told them a little bit about the object, but then I told them a folk tale that that object made me think of. And then they responded with a folk tale that object made them think of. So they were, you know, literally storytellers from everywhere, from South Africa to Peru to wow. China to uh, Russia. I mean, it, Ukraine. I mean, it really was beautiful and is beautiful because it's all there now as a playlist. And to oh. find that, you need to go to the Royal, the RAM, R-A-M-M Museum uh, website, or sorry, RAM Museum YouTube channel, the playlist around the world in 88 Tales. Fantastic. Obviously, I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. Um, But yeah, well, I, I can't thank you enough, David. Thank you so much for your time and keep up the great work and keep on telling stories. Wonderful. Thank you very much for having me, Martin. It's been a great it's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Also and, for um, us. And yeah, we haven't even talked about rock and roll, of which I'm a big fan, but we won't talk about that today. But for the next time, for the next time. Um, so thanks a lot, David, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye, everybody.
Okay, so I hope you enjoyed my conversation there with David talking about storytelling. All of the links to everything David mentioned on the podcast are on the show notes. So go to rockandrollenglish.com, click on podcasts and the latest episode, and you will be able to find all of these wonderful videos that he made full of great stories that around the world in 88 tales videos everything it's all there so go to rockandrollenglish.com click on podcast episodes then find this episode which will be the latest and remember if you are interested in my fluency via pronunciation and storytelling go to rockandrollenglish.com slash fluency i will see you all again very soon people to give you more information about that online course but in the meantime check out all of david's links and i will talk to you very very soon but in the meantime just keep on rocking baby thanks so much for listening to rock and roll english for more great content and to stay up to date visit rockandrollenglish.com and facebook.com slash rock and roll english we'll catch you next time